Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 512. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S. grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually and providing competitive salaries and benefits to team members based in Watsonville, California and Miami, Florida. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we also thank three of our major sponsors. Our first sponsor thank you goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. Today, we welcome back wedding and event florist Kelly Shore, owner of Petals by the Shore, based in Damascus, Maryland. In celebration of our seventh annual domestic flower promotion campaign, American Flowers Week, which runs June 28th through July 4th, we're right in the heart of it. I invited Kelly to discuss two of her recent projects. First, the botanical couture ensemble that Kelly created for this year's American Flowers Week collection, which features wax flowers, heathers, cerudia, and other South African plants grown by her friends at Resendis Brothers Protea Growers in San Diego County. And second, to update us on American Grown at Home, a curated collection of wholesale flowers which she markets through The Floral Source, her sister business. Kelly has spent the past several years educating herself about domestic flower sourcing. She began in her own backyard, motivated by a desire to support flower growers in her area, many of whom she originally purchased from through local farmers markets. As her involvement in the Slow Flowers movement grew, Kelly's commitment and awareness expanded. She committed to only sourcing 100% American-grown ingredients for her designs. She reached out to flower farms around the country, introducing herself and asking how she could support them. For some, that meant directly selling their flowers to Petals by the Shore. For many, though, that meant suggesting that Kelly encouraged conventional wholesale florists in her area to order more domestic product for their coolers. In response, Kelly began to invest in photography and graphic design to launch her American Grown at Home branding through a new channel of her business called The Floral Source. She says, the whole purpose of creating curated boxes was not to generate money for myself, but to empower the design community with the knowledge about what is grown by U.S. flower farmers. I told my florist friends, if you're not confident or you don't know where to get flowers domestically, here's how you can sample these farms without taking a huge risk. 
the floral source was originally designed to host retreats and farm tours for professional florists with the goal of exciting her peers about domestic sourcing and demystifying the ordering process. The platform gave Kelly a way to highlight dozens of flower farms, their flowers, and a seasonal approach to floral design. I have often felt like my design community was intimidated about connecting directly with growers, she once said, and I know that it's hard to break habits because it's easy to go to one place, buy the cheapest, and get the floral product you need and have relied on. But to break out of that mold and transition to sourcing domestically, you have to be willing to reach out to multiple growers. Well, I'm so happy to welcome Kelly Shore to the Slow Flowers Podcast. You can visit DebraPrinzing.com for today's episode show notes, episode 512, to see all the photos of the beautiful botanical couture creation that Kelly has designed, inspired by and photographed at Rosinda's Brothers Protea Growers. You'll also find the details about the floral source and how you can subscribe to Kelly's curated collections of U.S. grown blooms. Let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and today I'm so delighted to welcome back Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore, a past guest of this podcast. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Deborah. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, what a treat. I kind of am having a flashback to our very first time recording a podcast because we were in Homer, Alaska together. We um, were. And we were, I remember sitting on that couch in <laughs> Beth's Air, bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. And after a very exciting weekend and overlooking glaciers and yeah, yeah that, that was a really special first podcast. Well, um, that was fun. That was like four years ago. And was it 2017 or 18? 2017. Yeah. And that was the year that you also created um, a peony inspired maritime fisher woman uh uh botanical couture for american flowers week which was kind of uh you know inspired by our host beth van sant of scenic mm-hmm. place peonies and uh that was really terrific but now you're create you've created a new look for american flowers week and we want to talk about that and i also want to talk about your sister business, The Floral Source, which some people may be following and not realize it's you, or some people may um, not know that Petals by the Shore has branched out. So we've got lots to talk about. Um, but first, Kelly, let's talk about your beautiful botanical couture look that you created for our 2021 American Flowers Week collection, just published in Slow Flowers Journal online. We'll share the links in today's show notes so people can see it. But Kelly... Uh, paid homage to her friends at Resendis Brothers, Protea Growers in South- in San Diego area. Uh, how did that all come together, Kelly? Um, well, uh, my dear friend Mud introduced me to Resendis Brothers in January 2020. I had been in California for the Rose Bowl Parade. And um, I, knew, I knew of Diana from um, past events. And of course, everybody knows who Mel Resendez is, um, very iconic flower farmer um, here in the U.S. And so we went down there, I, I met them, and we developed a relationship. And then COVID happened. Um, actually, let me back up. So I was out in California in March of 2020, um, flew out there March 13th, right as all our schools were shutting down. Um, and there was still just this weird feeling of like, okay, this might 
it might be gone in a week. Yeah. So and let's just back, let's also back up and say you're based in Baltimore, Maryland area, DC, yes. greater DC area, right? Yeah. So that was a big uh, trip. It was oh, it was a sold out trip. Um, I had multiple multiple sponsors, including you. You were supposed to be there. Um, I had 30 attendees, and I was seven days out. And um, and and say what I, this what this was. It was a floral source a um, floral source California re- retreat um, that is in Santa Cruz, and it's rescheduled for this August. Um, but it was supposed to happen March. Oh my gosh, I think 22nd mm-hmm. of 2020. So I was out there in California and I connected with Mel and Diana again. And I said, I have this free weekend. I'd love to come see you. I had, when I had visited them in January, um, I, it was later in the day and I didn't get to go up into the hills where Mel farms. And so they made time for me and we went and had dinner and I got to know them really well and understand, you know, the backstory of how they came to work together and just Mel's story about coming to the U.S. from Mexico and and his passion for growing really exotic and unique um, Australian and South African botanicals. And these are botanicals that really I've never seen from any other farm here in the U.S. They're very unique to Resendez Brothers. So they um, we jumped into Mel's truck and we went up in the hills um, with a bottle of wine at sunset and we drove all around um, and these are roads that he had paved himself. Um, you know, he he got some big machinery back in the day, made these roads, and then they they farm up and down these rolling hills, 200 acres that most farmers would not be able to handle. And during that time um, last year, um, they had had a lot of rain, so things were really. Um, abundant and colorful. So there was the warta, there was the cerudia, the pin cushions, everything was just really vibrant and abundant. And it, and it was one of the most magical and influential moments um, in this journey. And I just, I really appreciated the level of um, hard work that they put mm-hmm. into providing such beautiful botanicals for the design community here in the U.S. Um, and we stayed in touch through COVID. I ended up doing a workshop out there in October, um, just a one-day intensive. We had five attendees, and I got to take them up in the hills, and that was really a dream of mine. Just, you know, part of what I love doing is connecting people and bringing them to where the flowers grow because that's that's something really unique that the design community never gets to experience you know we go to wholesalers and um it's it's a very um cold transaction there's not a lot of emotion behind it right right well i mean the when i announced that we were i was looking for you know american flowers week uh designers for 2021 you did reach out to me and you're you said, I I, i'd like to try to do something with Resendis brothers mm-hmm. but by then you had been um doing business with diana roy right. and mel Resendis through the floral source um helping get their product into the hands of florists uh, I, I don't really know the whole story but during covid you kind of um created a new channel of business for the floral source, not just workshops, but um, basically curating flowers for other florists, right? Right. I started, I launched um, in April 
um, of 2020, the American Grown at Home uh, floral source boxes. And it was really just a way to um, connect, honestly, anybody, uh, hobbyists, floral designers, stay at home. I mean, well, heck, we were all staying at home. Right. Um, just anybody that needed flowers in their life and wanted to have the freshest blooms possible. So I created these virtual workshops, curated boxes, and um, I think I featured 11 farms um, from April to through Thanksgiving. Wow. And I featured Resendez twice, once during the month of July, and then I uh, curated a box with them and Milano for Thanksgiving, for a Thanksgiving centerpiece. And um, they were one of the most popular boxes because that's not something that most people can get anywhere. Um, you know, Banksia and Protea, Leucodendron, um, cool foliages, uh, pomegranates on the stem. I mean, just things that just really just ignited people's passion for having flowers in the home. So yeah, that was a, a momentary uh, business pivot just to get us through that time, but I never saw it turning into anything else. But really just um, that connection and that support that I had from them through 2020 really um, made me want to highlight them in the most beautiful and respectful way. Um, and when I found out that you still needed designers, I was hoping that you would accept me again. Well, I do love with about American Flowers Week is when we can really highlight an iconic flower as, <laughs> you know, not a not a tapestry, but like a really distinct uh, garment that is mostly focused on one flower. And that was your idea. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that some uh, designers will focus on one flower or focus on a region. And I realized that nobody had really showcased Southern California and and not Resendez. So, you know, as we've talked about in other podcasts, um, that I really feel like a lot of what I do is floral story, storytelling. And so I felt that I could create um, this photo shoot with the botanicals and have all the elements really highlight Resendez Brothers and their journey. And so finding a model of Mexican heritage um, was vital to this. You know, my photographer was like, well, I have this really beautiful blonde. She would be great. Or I have this. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's not about just having anybody wear this piece. It's about having somebody that represents the family. And Pia was um, a event planner friend through a friend that was really um, honored to embody the Resendez family and their story. And she looked magnificent in the wax flower. Um, and wax flower, you know, I didn't know exactly what I would be designing. I think I thought I would use like small pieces of the protea, the leaves and glue them and all this stuff. But when I got there, I saw all the um, beautiful wildflowers that were growing. And I thought, well, these create a very lacy, um, ethereal look. So why don't we highlight that? And and I would see these trucks come in from the hills, just, you know, their truck beds just full of just these amazing colors and textures. And I was like, yep, 100%, this will be what I create. I, I have to stop and comment that I, 
I had loved the feed, the Instagram feed of Resendis or yeah, Resendis Brothers, I guess. I don't know, can't remember the exact address, but I'll share it. But uh, there's often those beat up old pickup trucks filled with colorful, beautiful luxury uh, flowers. And it, it's, it's transportation is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the fact that you designed about a year after the time you were there, when you yeah. had that dreamy sunset and, and the bottle mm-hmm. of wine, I mean, you knew what was going to be, uh, or, or you were brought back to what had been blooming then in terms of yeah. just that experience. It was a bit emotional to know that that was, we didn't know that weekend what the year was going to give. And I remember sitting up in there in the hills, we escaped all the anxiety that was out in the world and we were free of it up there. And I wanted to have that feeling again. And so I knew I wanted to shoot up in the hills. It wasn't just about shooting with their flowers, but it was about that entire experience of, um, and celebrating that like we made it Mm -hmm. and we didn't give up, you know, um, many of us could have just closed our doors and, and moved on, but we powered through, um, through some of the hardest times that we've ever faced, you know, as creatives and business owners. And so, yeah, it was really beautiful that it, um, coincided basically the same time as when Mm -hmm. I first um, got to see everything. So you said you kind of got there and wanted to see what spoke to you and you, Mm -hmm. You have, I love what you said to me before we started recording about just the way you operate is very intuitively. Um, You know that about yourself and obviously it paid off in this circumstance. You didn't have a sketch or like a preconceived recipe. You just kind of experienced what was in bloom and, and you know, what felt right, I guess, for a garment based maybe after you had your model chosen too. Yeah. Um, you know, Bia was not, she's not your typical model, 5'9", 5'11", you know, she's tiny little thing. I think, I think she was like 5'2". And, um, you know, I had imagined this huge long skirt, but then I had to be mindful that, you know, her body uh, measurements were different. So I bought, um, I had ordered, what is that, a body, a dress form. Uh-huh. And so I um, pinned the skirt to that and um, there was, there's a uh, farm worker in the packing shed that was about the same height. So I would have her come and I would like hold it up to her and see how it looked. And originally I had wanted like this skirt that like really flowed out kind of big and fluffy um, and where you would see cowboy boots. And I just wanted like all these kind of SoCal, you know, vibes. But then I was like, there's so many botanicals I want to feature. I was like, I don't care about these boots. Like, I just wanted this entire skirt just to be layered with everything they had. Um, And the pinks were really vibrant and um, abundant. So I chose to go that way. We used Calcinia. We used Sterling Range. Um, Oh, my gosh. I think probably like 10 different varieties of wax flower hybrids and traditionals. Um, well, that's what impressed me. When you look at the detail photography, uh, it's not your ordinary wax flower that you see wrapped in cellophane at the grocery store for like a little accent bunch. This is th- these flowers are large and uh, multi-petaled, and you know have all this dimension to them. And you really showcase something that is—I hate to say it—but people treat as a filler flower. They and, do, and, and you elevated it. I mean. Yeah, I mean, when you when you go to a wholesaler, you go to a grocery store, you see pretty much wax. It's probably a week old, dried, 
you know, pretty generic. Three choices in colors, you know, pale, pink, dark pink, and white, maybe. And, and you over you overlook it. You're like, meh. You know, it's just like a meh feeling. But there was no meh when those flowers were coming in. I mean, that was an elegant, like, high style flower. Mm-hmm. And it alone. I mean, it was the beefiest, most vibrant wax flower I had ever seen. Literally never seen anywhere else, whether imports or domestic. Mm-hmm. And um, you and really you beautiful. and you were working with the freshest product because you were working in the pack house over the course mm-hmm. of a couple of days. So um, did you feel like you could experiment a little bit with like how your mechanics and how you applied oh. everything? Yeah, the first night, so it took me four days to create. And the first night, um, everybody had left the farm. I was on the farm by myself and, you know, it's dark and they, you know, they put on a spotlight for me and I just put in my earbuds and I started gluing. Um, I just wanted to test out. I glued the entire bottom layer with just a, a pink wax. And oh my gosh, I think it took me probably like three hours. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? This is insane. Like it, it was a full length skirt, right? It was a full length skirt. Um, I, I want to say probably 48 inches long. So I was like, I am never going to get through this. And I, I remember I called Jennifer um, Reed, who also did a piece and I, I FaceTimed her and I'm like, Jennifer, I'm never going to get through this. How am I, I'm, I'm going to run out of glue. Um, and I had, I remember she had told me about Oasis double-sided uh, tape. Um, Cause there's like you glue, it's like you, you glue tape. Yes. You, you texted me a photo of it. It comes on a roll. Roll. And I've also used like just the strips of them. And she said, Kelly, she's like, just do layers of wrapping this tape. And I said, okay, I'll try this. And <laughs> it worked brilliantly. And what I did, instead of stripping the bottom of the stems, the foliage off, like I would in regular design, I kept the little um, foliage on, you know, like the little hairs, because that stuck really well to the tape. Like the little side, the little side stems. Yeah. yeah. And so I would just, we went a lot faster, you know, I would just break off and, and just, pat these on and anything that didn't stick well, then I would glue, but I could power through a lot faster. Um, and what I did notice, um, that by the time I got to the end on the fourth day, the bottom layer was dried, but you couldn't see. Um, and so on the, right before the shoot, I just went back in and anything that had kind of dried out too much or, you know, lost color, I just added fresh in. Um, so it was definitely a learning curve, but I just saw the piece, Two weeks ago, it's still on the dress form in the pack shed and it dried beautifully. And, they, and oh, they've they, kept the dress form as like their yeah. ma- mascot now. <laughs> uh, it's in the um, pack shed just for them to see. But what I loved about being there in the pack shed, that was one of the most special experiences. And I see this a lot on farms um, is that these farm workers you know, they don't ever see how the flowers that they are harvesting and packing and shipping are used. And so I was over in my own little corner, I set up out of the way and, you know, the family and the workers would come and they we take photos and they wanted to see, and um, they got to see the entire process. And I always find that really interesting, just how much it speaks to them and means to them to see their product used in an artful way. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, everyone who's listening, if you haven't seen our fun um, digital flip book that has all 12 looks uh, for American Flowers Week, I'll share that. But um, we'll also share all the cool photos of this garment that Kelly and I are talking about. It's mostly, most of the floral and botanical is on, on the skirt from the waist to the hem. And then mm-hmm. you have kind of a ballet style jersey top uh, because, you know, obviously you didn't want your poor model to be overwhelmed by flowers and <laughs> look well, like. I wanted, I wanted a very Southern California kind of Coachella, mm-hmm. you know, look with the hat and like um, I put her in a bodysuit. I wanted very neutral so that the flowers would pop out. And then I made her um, almost a floral collar. Yeah, uh, it's gorgeous. Just like, almost like how you would have like a statement necklace. Mm-hmm. And then of course a hat because hats in California go. Yeah. It's adorned it with a little bit. Mel, Mel's a bit of a cowboy, so it kind of, uh, and he wears hats a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, I I think I've never seen him one day without one. <laughs> and so. and so the photos show that. And also I think in a few of the photos, you had this amazing giant King Protea bouquet mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, kind of echoing some of the uh, accent flowers that were in the skirt. Uh, but honestly, the garment is even more special because of the way you had it photographed in the hills and showing the flora of the place and how this is where these flowers come from. And, uh, you know, they are, it's a rugged, challenging environment to create such beauty. Yeah, that was, um, I, you know, I could have shot that in a studio, but it wouldn't have had the same impact um, or storytelling elements to highlight this farm. And, and so much of what is so unique about them is, is how, how they grow and where they grow. Yeah. Um, because you have such a higher level of appreciation for when these products come into your studio or you get to experience them. Yeah. You know, it's so much labor and time and care went into them. Yeah. Talk about value added. It's, it's yeah. truly a premium product. Yeah. Um, well, we alluded to the fact that you've had some events and workshops and curated boxes from the floral source, but I didn't really ask you to just talk about how did the floral source come into being and what I know COVID was a challenge, but I think you've really got a good focus now and maybe you just keep, you're keep uh, letting this business evolve. Uh, but how does it relate to you and Petals by the Shore and how can people uh, plug in and get involved? Sure. Um, you know, um, before I launched the floral source in October, 2019, pre COVID, and it really came out of my passion projects, um, and working with you, um, you know, I started my journey on working with local and American grown flowers in 2015, when I started my year long project of designing just from plant masters each season. And from there I went on, um, and spent a week in Alaska at Scenic Place Paintings with Beth and Kurt. And that opened my eyes to what flower farming was really about. You know, I would go to my local flower farms here in Maryland, but I would just pop in, grab the flowers, walk the field, see it. But I was truly immersed in Alaska where I was living on the farm with them for a week. I was helping them harvest. I was, you know, having every meal with them. So I was seeing every moment of what goes into uh, flower farming. Granted, a week is is nothing, but for a floral designer to experience that, that yeah. it's invaluable. Yeah. So that really sparked something in me where I, you know, Alaskan peonies 
we buy them wholesale at five, $6. And at the time, people, designers were really just starting to understand like that there was this product that we could use, but man, it was really expensive. And I thought if I could just bring people here and they could see it, then they would see why it's worth such a high dollar. And so I created, I think the next summer, um, a floral retreat where I just reached out to people on Instagram. I never met them and they joined me in Alaska, I think four people, if I remember correctly. And we spent um, a week. We lived together on the farm and we did everything that I did. And it was amazing. And I thought, okay, I could do this on a different level. And so originally the floral source was about, um, it was, it had two elements that I wanted. I wanted to connect floral designers with flower farmers all across America. I had a, this very naive idea that I could give every designer the access to the flower farms and, and um, the connections and they could go buy direct from all these farms. And I also wanted to take designers to all these farms and have these retreats. Um, and I planned the California retreat, sold it out, was super excited. Cal you know, COVID happened and we saw internationally and domestically these piles of flowers and it broke my heart. And we saw American grown farms shut their doors for good, like Ocean View. And it, it I feel things very deeply and it, and I sat on my couch for five days and just cried. And then I thought, I can't, I can't just sit here. Like I got to do something. So on the floral source, I just, um, I started pushing as much information as I could. I would spend probably like 15 hours a day on my phone. Yeah. Kelly, I remember you telling me that, uh, your, your community of designers were coming to you in a panic and asking you for um, just help finding flowers. And I, you did tell me you spent like 15 hours a day just fielding calls. It was exhausting, probably. It, it was, but it was also empowering. And it took my mind off the fear of what COVID was and, and where my business was going. So I completely just poured myself into that. I was people who I'd never heard of, um, who I'd never talked to, had known through so-and-so that I bought direct from farms, that I had these connections. And as our borders closed, as the wholesalers closed, they started reaching out in droves and saying, Kelly, where can we buy flowers? We're still doing business because there was no consistency as we know. And different areas of the country were still operating. Um, and there were designers that were still designing every day, you know, um, not so much weddings, but everyday designs and funerals and, and whatever else. And, and they couldn't get flowers. And so what I did, all the connections that I had with farms, I just sent out emails and I said, listen, if you have flowers, let me help get your flowers out. Like, tell me what you're selling. Tell me how they can connect with you and let's move your flowers. And so I just started sending people and, you know, just pushing all the information and telling the farms to post on Instagram, all repost. So we did that for weeks and weeks. Um, and then I think we realized, well, this COVID thing is not going anywhere. And I thought, well, how else can I help? And so the, um, what really helped me have the confidence to put boxes together was um, Janet Louie at Green Valley uh, flowers, which roses, the David Austin garden roses. When I had to cancel my retreat, she called me up. She said, look, I don't, I don't have wholesalers buying my flowers. We have an abundance here. Like if you pay the shipping, 
I will send every one of your attendees up a mixed box of our, our Gerberos, Gerondos, and Garden Roses and Spray Roses. And I said, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. And so we sent it out to 30 um, attendees and sponsors. And um, I saw how much it meant to them. These were people that had never received farm direct flowers other than going and picking up a bucket from a local farm. And a lot of them were farmer florists as well. And it sparked something in me and I was like, I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I can create that same connection and joy with other farms. So I, I did a first box with Paja Rosa, um, who I think for just believing that this was a value. And we started shipping boxes. I mean, I was crazy, absolutely insane. I was featuring a different farm every week. So I was creating a different video. And like, right as I was done with that, I was like promoting another farm. And it was really, really intense, but it, it kept me focused and, and um, kept my mental health good. And I, I saw how much it meant to people. And, and really just the power of flowers was, was alive. And I loved doing it. But when January came, I remember like just kind of feeling lost. I was like, okay, well, 2021, we're, we're back. Like we're going to hit normal and I'm, I'm going to go back and doing weddings and events. And, and I was really, um, lost about what to do with the floral source because I'm like I don't know about these retreats like one is a huge financial risk um I have PTSD uh from <laughs> planning something that fell from apart. past events <laughs> right and so I was like you know the retreat thing I just don't think we're there to do more I was like I don't know what to do with this and honestly it was the design community that really helped propel it forward they started reaching out again and they're like kelly are you are you doing boxes for valentine's day and i was like well no i don't know i i hadn't really planned on it and they're like we want american grown flowers like what can you do so i reached out to four of the farms and i said hey would you be willing to curate a box for valentine's day um if you can only commit to 20 boxes cool like whatever you think and we sold 65 boxes to the design community in four days. And I mean, this was the end of, this was like mid-January to end of January. So like the farms were already feeling the pressure of pre-sales earlier than they had ever experienced. So I was limited on what I could sell. That was the most I had ever sold, honestly. Like last year I was, I was pumped if I sold 10 boxes from a farm, you know? I think people thought I was selling like hundreds each day. No, I wasn't. And it wasn't about the volume and it wasn't about the money for me. I mean, literally I made $0 on those boxes last year after the time I put into <laughs> videos and, and my photography, but it was, again, it wasn't about the money. And so, um, so I made it through Valentine's day, felt really good. And then people were like, so what do you have for Easter? What do you have for mother's day? Hey, what do you have weekly? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I had planned this trip out to Resendez in March to create the botanical couture. And I was really only gonna go for one week. And then when I started to see that I could move the floral source in a different direction, I extended my trip and I spent three weeks out in California. And when I was done with my project with Resendez, I just traveled up the coast and I just reached out to every farm that I had not connected with. And I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to see what you have. And I really just pitched this idea of selling their flowers 
wholesale. Um, and I didn't really know what I was. I didn't know how to like explain, but I learned out there that what I was doing was dropship wholesaling, which I guess years ago, there was tons of dropship wholesalers and they had kind of gone by the wayside. Um, and so I felt empowered that, okay, well, there's a name for what I'm doing and there's a need for it. I think the difference, Kelly, is um, maybe there are a lot of people doing dropship wholesaling, but not through the lens of a floral designer who's thinking about collections of color palettes or mm -hmm. complementary um, mixes of, you know, how many, how much foliage versus flower percentages. You're thinking through all that in response to knowing who your customer is. Right. Where, and, and I think that's what sets me apart from any other dropshippers is one, I'm selling only from American grown farms where there's a lot of dropships, dropshippers um, out of South America and, you know, from Holland, but there's, I don't really know of any um, doing it American grown and also doing it um, with the knowledge of what the design designers want for events and for every day. The struggle that I have had, um, Easter and Mother's Day were a different animal. That was not geared towards event designers. Mm. That was geared towards your everyday retail florist, your farmer florist, um, and you know maybe your stay at home, I'm gonna try doing floral design for my community. Um, but what I found really interesting, Deborah, is that who became my most loyal customer was the farmer florist. And what they saw was an added value of not having to worry about when their crops were gonna come into production. Were they gonna have enough? Because what I noticed through COVID and I heard over and over is the small family farms in our communities were selling out week after week. The demand for fresh flowers had soared through COVID. Uh, everyday consumers saw the value of having fresh flowers. And we, and we started to develop a very European mindset of not just having flowers for birthdays and anniversaries and, you know, just milestones, but to experience them daily. And so these farms were selling out, but they couldn't keep up with the demand. So they started buying from me abundantly. I mean, I was shocked. Um, and they said, Kelly, thank you. You've allowed us, and I heard this over and over, you've allowed us to say yes instead of saying no. And so- And they're still able to mar mark up that product at, yeah. at retail. So they're still um, covering their costs and deriving and cash money. flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, is it is it more expensive buying for me? Yes, because you're paying a shipping. But what they are seeing is this product is being harvested within one to two days of shipping. And so that product is lasting a week or more. So if they can't sell it that week, then it's just as fresh as they got it from a wholesaler. Because when we truck it across the country, it's trucked across probably five days, you know, right. before right. It's, it comes to your studio, which means it's probably seven days uh, post-harvest at that point. So the level of freshness is worth the higher dollar to this community. And also supporting, you know, they're able to stay true to their ethos of wanting to support the local and American ground. And the only option they had before was to go to their local wholesaler and get the imports. Because what I hear over and over is, Kelly, we cannot find American grown product in our wholesaler. And if we do see it, 
it is old, it is moldy, it is falling apart, and and we're not going to pay that money for it. There are only a few, uh, you know, conventional wholesalers with, you know, branches that have kind of even paid attention to creating a designated area of American grown or local. And the, at least right. they're ahead of the rest of them, but it's never going to be the primary, the, the majority of the product. No. So it's kind because, of an afterthought. They're looking, you know, they're looking at the profit margin, which I, which I understand and, and appreciate. Um, and it's, it's expensive to bring in American grown roses, um, when you can get them like half of that cost from South America and you can move them a lot faster. Um, but what's funny right now uh, with our, um, you know, with the supply chain issues of South America, South American roses are about on par with American grown prices. Wow. So, Well, yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, at the floral source website right now under the shop. And then I scrolled down to farm direct boxes and you have the May, June collection and, uh, Kelly, I thought you'd have like one or two offerings. You've got dozens of offerings here. I do. And uh, representing how many farms? At the moment, I haven't counted, but there might be six farms. Okay. And we, you know, we rotate. I rotate. Um, I'm still trying to figure this out. Honestly, I'm four months into this full time. I ship Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday only. Um, and we ship, I mean, there hasn't been a single day that I haven't shipped less than 10 boxes. Um, that's fabulous. In the last four months. Wow. And the wow. reason I only ship Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which my community understands is FedEx, um, has really struggled, um, in the flood of e-commerce that our society has become. They just bought 15 new planes but that, that doesn't mean that 15 new planes can go right in the service. You have to get um, new routes. You have to get new pilots. I mean, there's there's the logistics behind what FedEx does is monstrous. Um, I'm on Zoom with them all the time, just trying to understand, like, how do we, you know, make this a smoother process? Um, but FedEx is really the best option for any of us shipping um, through the Cowflowers rate, I'm extending the 72% off discount to every designer that is buying from me. Because otherwise, some of these boxes would be $500 in shipping costs for overnight. That is cost prohibitive. Yeah. And we would never be able to. So the Cowflowers rate allows us to, you know, move product and support these farms without that. Wow. None of this product would move. Well, I'm looking at like standard tulip box, 20 bunches. And that's basically 200 stems, grower's choice, mix of colors. It's available year round, $298. And do you quote the price including shipping or is shipping on top of that? No, shipping is included. Wow. That's smart because I think the way our minds work and we do the math. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see what the shipping costs, because a quarter box from California, which holds about 12 bunches, depending on where it's going in the U.S., depending if you're rural, how far you are away from your uh, distribution site, it can be anywhere from $65 to $85. Um, but then you you have a boxing fee from the farms, and that can be anywhere from 2 to $12. And it depends. Are they using ice packs? Are they putting insulation? There's so many factors. And and I think the reason that these boxes do so, so well is because they see one number. Well, 
if I move to another site and they start to see what the flowers cost versus the shipping, I, I worry because it, it does, it's like a little shocking when you see what the shipping costs and you're like, oh, wow, okay, well, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I so this way, yes, it does, our mind sees one number and we're like, okay, we're okay with that. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think that you've got such a beautiful site and you've presented, you're presenting amazing selection and to say you've only done this for four months, it's it's built on what you experimented with last year. So you've really developed something, just a, a, ben- a benefit to the community. And I love I love that you're going in this direction. It doesn't mean you're abandoning your workshops and retreats because you've, like you said, you have one coming up in August. It's yeah. just kind of it kind of gives you a more um, like counter-cyclical, you know, like the retreats are not, they're, they're, the, they're the secondary thing that's filling in the gaps between the main business, which is drop ship wholesaling. Yeah. And honestly, in a million years and a year ago, if you told me this is what I would be doing, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, I, as you know, I don't ever go into business with a solid business model. I really believe in going in with kind of a loose idea having strong core values, but allowing doors to open that otherwise wouldn't if I went in with such a strict business model. Um, And also, you know, building business off intuition and and need. And that's what I've allowed, you know, yes, I could go a lot. I could have, you know, 20 more boxes listed. I could be doing a lot more. And, but I want to pace myself and make sure I'm doing it right. And what I also want to make sure is that, Everybody feels like they are heard because so many times at wholesalers, we are just a number. They don't have time for us. They don't care about our problems, you know, and if product shows up bad or it shows up wrong, you know, it's like, well, sorry. You know, um, I, as a designer and, and knowing what that feels like and so much money and time is put into it, I really want my customers to feel like, yes, we're on the same page. I understand. And I tell them over and over, I'm in the trenches with you. I'm, you know, when the boxes are delayed, guess what? They're delayed for me too. So I understand. So I try to go on and give them tips and talk about like, you know, processing and care of flowers, because a lot of this is new, you know, um, how you care for flowers that come direct from a farm is different than how you care from flowers coming from a wholesaler that have been processed and, mm-hmm. and conditioned differently. And also imports are treated differently post-harvest. I mean, what I have learned over the last four months um, I've been out to California three times now since March. I have been to, um, I think, a dozen farms. Um, the other thing that I promise my community is I will always vet the product before it goes to you. I will never blindly sell you flowers that I have not had my hands on. Yeah. As I, It's not just about moving product. It's about moving product that I know is top quality. Um, and if I find that, you know, something doesn't ship right, then we're going to pull it. Like we, we learned about Snapdragons with Joseph and Sons. When you lay Snapdragons in a box, they're um, geotropic. And so their tips curl almost into a C. And I didn't understand this until I received it and I saw it happen. And, you know, I worked with Joseph and Son and we said, okay, well, let's try shipping it upright. And we shipped it upright in a Percona and it worked really well. Um, it's it's a little more expensive, but if you want Snapdragons, that's how it's going to have to work. So there's things, you know, it's a lot of it's trial and error, but um, I, also 
for me, it's about the relationships with the farmers. Um, while I cannot bring everybody to the farm and while the farmers do not want to have relationships with every designer because labor is tight, um, I, they are okay having that relationship with me and then me being the mental man to guide these yeah. designers understanding the process. You're the funnel. You're, you're dealing with on the front lines with customer service uh, on their behalf. All day long. Yeah. All day long. Wow. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I was naive when I started this in October, 2019, thinking I could give designers access to all these farms and the farms said, Kelly, no, like we cannot, we cannot handle that many small customers because I mean, let's be serious. Designers are needy. They are specific. <laughs> farmers don't have time for that. They're and you're dealing- speaking about yourself. So you're, oh my no- gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to name which farm, but this one farm's like, oh my gosh, Kelly, I swear if I hear, you know, what is blush? What is mauve? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I understand it. I will guide them in the right direction. Cause they're, you know, they think in Roy G. Biv. Like, <laughs> right. They don't think like this whole color spectrum like we do as designers. And, um, you know, but they're, the farmers are dealing with so many things, especially in California, what they face between fuel prices going up, the cost of water, uh, the threat of cannabis taking over, um, labor issues, um, uh, lack of labor. Um, a lot of the farms will lose labors to commodity you know, so they'll leave and they'll, they'll go work for the avocados and the strawberries and then they'll come back. And so it's like this constant, like, constant, uh, things that are out of their control, basically. And the design community doesn't understand that. And they don't, they don't have to understand it always, but they yeah. need to understand that they can't go direct to these farms. Like I thought they could, yeah. well, um, but I can get them the access. And that is my main goal is accessibility to more American grown flowers. Yeah. I love it. And I have to say, I just saw that you've still, you, you've revived the red, white, and blue uh, summer mix in honor yeah. of American Flowers Week uh, that yeah. is available. So I'm going to have to order that and get it right after the summit and play with it. It's a 150 stem box includes four bunches of red florals, four bunches of white florals, four bunches of blue florals, and three bunches of seasonal greenery and herbs. And it's $200. So that's that's a really great um, selection. Good. Yeah, especially for somebody who wants to do just holiday bouquets, you know, right. for their CSA or something. Right. Cool. And that's what a, a lot, like I said, um, who has become a, a big client of mine are the farmer floors. They're using it for their flower trucks. They're using it for their CSAs, for their farm stands. Um, a lot of, and one thing I, wa- I do want to bring up that I don't talk a lot about on social media because I haven't figured out how to handle this and not is I do a lot of custom curation behind the scene. Designers will um, bring their weddings to me and say, I, I have a pink and white palette. I have six bridesmaids, a bride and 10 centerpieces. What can I do? And they're pretty open. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've written their recipes for them. I can write recipes in 30 minutes pretty fast um, and, and then guide you and knowing, okay, I can get product from two farms so you're going to pay shipping on two farms but we're going to max out that box and we're going to get to the most product and it's working for a lot of people I had another designer reach out today and say hey can you get me an entire box of all white flowers I don't really care what it is but I have a project and I just need white so you know I know what the farms have I know as a designer what's going to be the hardiest um, what's going to ship well and so having that knowledge has really 
then beneficial for designers who don't have that knowledge. Yeah. I think custom curation is a great way of putting it. And just this, this high level of your peer to peer, you know, coaching. And, mm-hmm. um, I can see that that is going to take up a lot of your, uh, bandwidth in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you will be designing fewer weddings this year and putting more energy that's, into the floral source projects. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. You know, I'm 10 years into having a wedding and event design business and I, I've loved it, but I think that there's always room to move in new directions. I always want to be involved with flowers. Um, and yes, I, I will never leave weddings because I think what's really important um, is to be aware of the constant challenges because if I remove myself completely, I will not understand my client base and what they face. You know, what are the trends? What are the demands? Um, and so do I want to do 45 weddings a year like I had been? No, I don't. I think you can stay current by doing 10 or 12. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and that's, that's 15 at the most is wow. kind of where I want to be. Um, because I really want to grow the floral source Um bigger and better. And projection wise, I mean, I'm growing it at 500%. Wow. So that's great. Kelly. Yeah. yeah it's, it's exciting. It's empowering, not just to me, but to the farms and to, um, and to the design community who feels heard and who don't feel stuck, you know, when they can't find things. So yeah. That's awesome. Wow, what a great conversation we've had today. Thank you yeah. so much for so, so many partnerships that we've done together and, you know, having your beautiful wax flower Resendis Brothers garment in our collection for American Flowers Week is a bonus. Um, having you uh, support all my activities. I, you're supporting the the flowers on your head um, event with Bud Barron at the Slow Flower Summit happening right now. So I thank you for that. And um, we'll, we'll just uh, keep, keep doing it. I mean, you're, you always say yes. And I hope that I can say yes to you. (laughs) Well, you know, and Deborah, I, I have to thank you because um, what, six, five years ago, you said yes to me and you gave me an opportunity to spread my wings and um, to feel to feel supported. And I thank you for that. And you do that so much for this community. Um, and the value of being a member of the slow flowers community is infinite. So Mm. thank you for all you do for this community. Thank you for American flowers week. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited just to continue this journey with you. And it's, I'm, we're recording this early, but when this podcast episode airs, we'll actually be together in, uh, at the slow flower summit. So, um, can't wait it'll be just a few more days so thank you so much kelly and this has been just a great conversation to kind of hear your process i hope it inspires other people to continue to be open to respond to opportunities that come to you and um check out all of kelly's offerings i'll put the link in uh today's show notes and uh i just uh yeah be careful what you ask for kelly shore (laughs) i'm here for it i'm here and yes anybody that um you know, wants to learn more about the floral source or how I can assist them, shoot me an email, message me on Instagram. Obviously I'm there 15 hours a day. It sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my dear, take care. I'll see you very soon. All right. Thanks.
Thanks so much for joining us today. A few days after we wrapped up the recording for this episode, Kelly announced a new offering for American Flowers Week, an American Grown at Home box. This celebratory collection is for all flower lovers, not just designers. It highlights 22 farms in Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia, all members of the Old Dominion Flower Cooperative, a Slow Flowers member group. And you heard them on the podcast a couple months ago. The lush seasonal box of summer blooms and greenery will be a surprise, curated by Kelly. It features a little bit of seasonal goodness harvested from all of the Mid-Atlantic botanicals grown by Old Dominion Flower Cooperative Farms. Each $150 box includes a 5-inch accent decor metal vase that buyers can use when they participate in a virtual workshop with Kelly on July 1st. Celebrate seasonality and our local and American growers and bring the joy of flowers into your home for American Flowers Week. The box will ship from the co-op on June 30th overnight to be delivered to you by July 1st. Check it out. I'll have all the details in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 512. And if you miss this offering due to your schedule, no worries. There's a fantastic lineup of offerings at The Floral Source featuring domestic flower and foliage all season long. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Mayash Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayash is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayash to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayash.com. This episode is coming to you on Wednesday, June 30th, right in the heart of American Flowers Week, our seventh annual celebration, June 28th through July 4th. Please help us celebrate. You can find all the free social media badges, logos, branding, and other resources like a coloring map of all 50 USA state flowers at AmericanFlowersWeek.com. Show your floral patriotism and post photos of your red, white, and blue bouquets or any other color of your seasonal and local floral harvest. Be sure to use the hashtag AmericanFlowersWeek when you post. I'll be doing just the same, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. And thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast has been downloaded more than 740,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support, and I invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.